Hey Girish, welcome to Mailman uh, Podcast. Uh, today we have Girish of Your Nest, which they call a fund for challenge engineers. We are going to understand what do they mean by challenge engineers and how really do they find challenge and uh, entrepreneurs. Girish, in a minute or two, welcome to Mailman Podcast. In a minute or two. Uh, would you like to tell us who are you? What do you do? Thank you, uh, Mohit, for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I've been using Mailman now for the last, I think, five months now. You know, and uh, it's been a, it's a great product that you and your team have put together. And I'm glad to be part of this blog that you guys are putting together. So just to briefly tell you what I do. So uh, I am uh, one of the founding partners at an early stage deep tech fund called Yourmist. We basically invest in primarily IP-led opportunities. And we typically first round of institutional capital uh, in, in opportunities which are founded by passionate founders like yourselves. And uh, where some amount of revenue model validation has already happened. Uh, and uh, uh, so you have a few paying customers in that sense, uh, primarily focused on B2B side of the world. So we don't understand consumer really well. So we kind of stayed away from that place. And uh, uh, and typically first round of institutional capital. Sweet spot is half a million to a million dollars to start with. Uh, and then we can go up to, you know, four or five million dollars in subsequent rounds of capital as well. So that's probably what I do. I within within the uh, your nest framework where we have uh, we are five partners. I primarily manage the entire deal flow. You know, so for me, uh, uh, you know, uh, one, it's a passion. And two, it just keeps me, uh, keeps my learning curve really, really steep in terms of, you know, interacting with new entrepreneurs, new founders, looking at new ideas, opportunities, understanding them. You know, and uh, and then getting them to a stage where they could become investable from a honest perspective. Um, so in that sense, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm really driven by my calendar, uh, without which I really cannot function because you know there are so many calls, meetings, follow-ups that are happening during the week, and because we also have fairly large deal flow. So at any given point in time, we get anywhere between 200 to 300 deals a month. You know, and uh, we typically eyeball all of them. No, so uh, so that's the process that we built internally. So that's primarily what I do uh, in a nutshell. Fantastic, Girish. That's fantastic. Could I ask, since when you are uh, running your nest? Yeah. So uh, your nest was conceptualized in 2011. Uh, we did. Uh, we started our. We did the initial close of our first fund in 2012, which was about uh, uh, 90 odd crores. Uh, from there, we've invested in 16 companies. Uh, we've exited eight. Uh, we've uh, returned uh, 70% of our uh, initial capital to our investors. But then we launched a second fund in 2017, uh, which was a, a 200 crore plus fund. And from there, we are invested in 14 companies. Uh, all of them are up and about. And uh, so that's been the journey. We are now in the process of putting together a third fund. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Girish, I'm very interested in knowing about what did you do before your nest? I mean, did you start a company or were you working somewhere? Sure. How did your nest happen? So, yeah, so uh, so let me just give you a brief background about myself sure. first, and then I sure. will tell you where your nest fits in. So, uh, basically, a Delhi boy went to school at Mother's International, uh, then mm-hmm. went to Saint Stephen's in Delhi. I did my computer science graduation from there. Uh, basically, second batch of computer science graduates to pass out from Delhi University. Mm-hmm. Those were the times when you would switch on a computer. It would be a green <laughs> color screen with a cathode tube. And then you will go have a coffee and come back and then the cursor will come up. Okay. And then you would do, and we were doing COBOL programming. So the mm-hmm. uh, so when there were when there were errors in COBOL programs, the error list was twenty five times the size of the total program. And <laughs> okay. you would put it on a floor in the in the <laughs> corridor and go line by line and, and fix those uh, you know errors. So I belong okay. to that age, you know. <laughs> okay. And uh, so from there, uh, I was clear in my mind. I didn't want to do engineering. 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. so so great to Stephens. And then I was clear that I wanted to do an MBA. So uh, basically went and did an uh, MBA in finance from IMT Gazi. Okay. So I was probably the only guy, no, only non-finance guy in IMT who did all pure finance. Okay. Uh, and I was and I was a finance stopper uh, in, at IMT as well. Uh, and then from there, uh, the journey started, the, the professional journey started. So, you know, I was clear in my mind that, uh, you know, Bombay was the mecca for finance in India. So I will not work at Delhi. I will work in Bombay. So, uh, you know, the, the day the first company came on campus to recruit for Bombay, I got placed. I went oh, to nice. Bombay, uh, worked for three and a half years in Bombay financial services. You know, I was the, uh, at the age of 25, I was actually handling a $50 million family office fund set up by a Gujarati family. In, uh, oh, wow. Fantastic. You know, so that was probably the first family office in the country, literally. Okay. Got it. So that's where fund management kind of, uh, plus I was a finance guy, right? So fund management okay. was typically in the blood, literally in that sense. Plus I was in the as well. So, you mm-hmm. know, all those kind of things added up. <laughs> uh, and uh, then, but I was, you know, Bombay was a very difficult city to live in. You know, it's very professional. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, the quality of life was something, at least when I was starting up, I was not very you know, happy with. Okay. So the first opportunity I got, I came back to Delhi. And incidentally, that was the time I was getting married in 1996. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. So then I, I, I went and joined Dabar Finance as head of strategy for Dabar Finance okay. in Delhi. Uh, you know, And that's where I met Sunil, who's my partner and to be honest. So where okay. I, I was head of finance, uh, head of strategy for Dabar Finance, Sunil was head of strategy for Dabar India. Okay. And then we overlapped for a few years. And then I moved out and ended up at Airtel. Uh, this was early 2000 and Airtel at that time was uh, expanding the, its footprint and uh, they were looking for somebody with numbers background in their marketing department. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of work that happens in marketing is very number centric, you know, media mm-hmm. planning, forecasting, segmentation, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So I joined Arti uh, in, the mar- in the marketing department, but with a clear focus that my numbers capability was something that I, I would leverage. And as luck would have it, eight months later, Sunil also joined Arti as executive assistant to Sunil Mittal and head of investor relations. So we then again overlapped for four years. Then I moved out from Bharti, went for, went, spent 15 months at Times of India, where I basically was executive assistant to the vice chairman, Samir Jain. I was part of the core team, which actually built that entire brand capital thesis, Uh, you know, and then from there I went, uh, I landed up in Teradata. So at Bharti, I had actually, I was actually, uh, you know, sponsor for the data warehouse. Uh, Bharti was, Bharti actually set up the first data warehouse in this country, uh, you know, in 2004, when that data warehouse was set up, we were ingesting a billion CDRs every day. So, so I was part because I was part of that team. I was heading that team, uh, and when I moved out, uh, in the meantime, they finalized the contract, etc. Uh, and then uh, Teradata was chosen as a platform of choice. Okay. And the uh, consultant who was actually deploying Teradata business uh, warehouse at Bharti left, mm-hmm. and the country manager who at that time was Amrish Rao, who now had Pines, who had Spines Labs. Oh, oh yes. You know, uh, so he he basically called me and said, Ki boss, there's uh, a five-year roadmap that you had developed from the from for Bharti, now come and deploy it from the other side of the table. So I ended up with Teradata. Uh, this was uh, 2015, uh, 2005. Mm-hmm. And then worked for seven years in Teradata. So till 2012, when we started the fund, I was at Teradata. I started as an industry consultant. By the time I left, I was the telecom consulting practice lead for Southeast Asia and I used to have pre-sales for the country. But that's been my journey. So, and in the meantime, what happened, Sunil also moved out from Bharti in 2011. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, he, his last assignment, he was uh, director for special projects in Africa. Okay. Uh, so when he came back to India in April, 2011, he updated his LinkedIn profile, you know, and he'd been an angel investor in his personal capacity. So he was, for example, one of the first investors in uh, Zipdial, which got acquired okay. by Twitter. 
Yes, yes, you know, yes. Uh, uh, so, so he came. He had he, uh, you know, in I think last week of May, up, updated his LinkedIn profile saying wanting to do something in the technology space in India, early stage investment, etc., etc. Uh -huh. So I, serendipity, I was looking. I was probably you know looking at LinkedIn, uh, and then I found his profile, updated profile, and I picked up the phone at, on him at like. 9 13 the night so you know then uh, you know obviously after catching up on what he was doing etc he told me that you know he and sanjay well, my second partner had already kind of signed up to do this sanjay is a, a ihm grad i am okay. in the worked where for many years in executive coaching leadership development so work with people literally so between sunil and him they had agreed to do a fund do an early stage fund uh, but they were looking for us for somebody with technical chops got it uh, you know and uh, you know and they had met a few people it, it just didn't fit in in their profile etc so so we decided to meet uh, in delhi uh, you know at, uh, the, the, these were days when uh, select city work was just coming up so where there is starbucks today there used to be a coffee beans and tea leaf okay uh, and uh, so we in the first week of june we decided to catch up uh, sunil came from gurgaon sanjay used to live in saket my office was in saket so we said let's catch up so we landed up at CBTL at nine in the morning, and these okay. guys were still cleaning the place, and the place was not open. So they told us to go sit in the corridor. Okay. Uh, you know, so so in the in the first week of June, in sweltering heat, three guys, uh, you know, sitting yeah. in a corridor in and having corridor. a chat, and having a chat was how how this whole thing happened. Uh, and then we we chatted for a few hours, and then we kind of shook hands and we moved on. So that's the genesis of uh, you know entire how the journalist team came together, and uh, you know how I came on board, and how this whole thing happened. Fantastic, fantastic. And this was the year 2012. This was 2011. This was middle of 2011. So we said, uh, you know, let's go uh, now that we've signed up, let's go get the paperwork sorted. So we applied to SEBI in middle of August. Okay. We, on 30th November 2011, we got a SEBI registration certificate. Wow. Uh, on 26th March 2012, we basically uh, did the first close of the fund and, and started investing. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, since March of 2012, when was the first investment that you guys made together through your nest? On 26th March 2012, the day we did the oh. first close of the fund. Oh, the same day you made the first investment as well? Exactly, exactly. We wrote the first check on the day we did the first close. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Uh, Kirish, right now, is it is your nest is the only thing that you do or there are some other things that you keep dabbling no, no, into not at all so your nest is the only thing that i do you know it, it it takes 24 by it takes 24 by 7 to get get it to the stage where we've got it in. absolutely you you mentioned that you get about 200 and 250 companies pitching you every single month and you are the only person who goes through them all of them to re make sure no, no, so you I'm get... not the no no so I'm not the only person I have a team of two other folks uh, two okay. other people who work with me uh, but we uh, make sure that we go through everything got it so I want to understand what does your day look like I mean uh, do you keep talking to companies throughout the day or do you have different different phases of the day yeah so uh, so so the day starts at like literally seven in the morning okay. uh, most of most of the weekdays until until I'm playing golf and I have to get up at six in the morning okay uh, uh, which happens once in a while uh, you know uh, uh, and then you know it's all, uh, you know. Uh, so I'm still I still read a newspaper. Uh, I feel the okay. I like the feel of the paper in my hand in the early in the morning. So newspaper happens, and then you know uh, nine o'clock typically work starts. So if I when we were working uh, nine o'clock, I used to leave uh, leave for work. Uh, since mm -hmm. we are since the office is shut down in COVID, nine o'clock the laptop is up and about. Uh, 
you know, and then, uh, uh, you know, mails get cleared by 9.30, 9.45. And then 10 o'clock, literally, the day starts from a meetings perspective. Got it. Uh, and because I have so much, uh, you know, stuff to take care of in terms of meetings, calls, etc., I am completely driven by my calendar. So if there is, if the if the meeting does not show up on my calendar, uh, chances that I will join that meeting are zero. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if somebody wants my time, uh, they have to send, uh, they have to plonk it in my calendar. Uh, there and there, there are uh, there are uh, you know uh, literally every week there are instances where you know there's a time clash between two people looking for the same slot so it's it's the calendar is public and it is first come first serve uh, so whoever blocks the slot he gets it and then the other guy will get another slot but the but the intent typically as the week starts uh, so i clear all my deal flow over the weekend okay so, so what do you mean about, clear the deal flow yeah so so we get deals every day you know, uh-huh. uh, and uh, we continue to put that. So we have an in-house platform that we built to manage entire okay. deal flow. Okay. So, so the team kind of continues to review them, put it on that deal flow platform, etc. I look at it only between Saturday and Sunday, because oh, during okay. the week I don't. Because during the week I don't have time. Uh, you know, to look at what's happening uh, on the for the next week. But this is for the next week. Okay. Uh, you know, so uh, so by Monday, uh, by Sunday evening, I'm done with my deal flow. Uh, I know how many calls have to be set up in the coming week. The team has been, uh, you know, the team is all on the platform. It's a work. It has a workflow engine built into it, so it makes life easier for everyone to coordinate. Uh, and then uh, meetings start to uh, be set up for from Monday onwards. Uh, the previous week's meeting will overflow between Monday and Tuesday because it takes a day or two to kind of you know get people uh, sync people's calendars, etc. Uh, you know, and then Wednesday onwards, meetings for the last week's deal flow, or maybe Tuesday evening onwards, the meetings for the last week deal flow start to happen. So there are follow-up meetings with companies that we've spoken to. There are, uh, you know, portfolio reviews. I sit on boards of companies, so that happens. You know, uh, when we were fundraising, there were fundraise meetings were happening. So, so the calendar gets is fairly fairly choked, choked in that sense. Um, and typical workday ends at when we were working. Um, my, I live in GK and my office is in Kuruga. So work day would end at about 4.35 in the evening. Got it. Uh, and then uh, once I was back from uh, Gurugaon, I would typically, you know, once or, once or twice a week have a meeting in Delhi. But otherwise I would, you know, go step out, uh, you know, go to Safe Fort, uh, you know, walk, uh, go to the range at a few balls and then get back home have dinner and then uh, work starts again at at about nine o'clock and then between okay. nine and ten thirty you kind of clear the backlog get set for the next day and that's it you know uh, 10 30 10 45 you know uh, literally uh, lights out in the sense that at least uh, no no more screens so i would typically read for about 45 minutes before i sleep every day um, and then by 11 30 you're out so that's and a typical that's a typical work day okay. Interesting, interesting. So uh, I have a couple of questions. I'll start with the easier one first. Uh, so you said you work with two other folks to uh, go through all the deals that are coming into your nest. Do you have any specific practices to make sure, because right now everybody's working remote, I am assuming. So how do you really collaborate with these two people? Just over yeah. email or do you do a lot of phone calls with them? Yeah, so phone calls happen, WhatsApp chats happen, emails happen, you know, this deal flow platform that we have, that happens. So it's a multiple uh, communication channels that happen. Plus, uh, when, when whenever calls are happening, one of the team members is definitely on the call. So any okay. follow-ups that have to happen, any, uh, you know, next steps have to happen, happen on the call itself. Uh, you know, so, so these are calls between 30 to 45 minutes each. 
you know we try okay. we're trying to basically if it's the first call we're basically trying to understand what is the kind of opportunity the team you know they are right any mode that they have created uh, revenue model cash burn fund requirement broadly you know get a feel of the opportunity and then before the call ends you know we uh, at least between the two of us we close loop you know what are the potential next mm-hmm. steps here and that gets to, and then that deal goes into its regular workflow depending on you know what what are the next steps so if there's uh, you know more information to be asked for that's done if there is a demo to be set up that's done if there is a call to be set up with another partner that happens so all those decisions happen on the call itself as before the call is over so that there is no backlog literally in that sense you know uh, so i'm i'm actually paranoid in the sense that even if i even you know 200 mails in my uh, mailbox i would clear them okay. before i sleep you know so when okay. i go to sleep my mailbox is clear period whether okay. it is 1 o'clock in the night or 3 o'clock in the night i don't care oh, fantastic fantastic uh, girish now this next question is coming from somebody who is also uh, run by his calendar i mean if something is not on my calendar i just totally forget about it and uh, i am the problem is i managed to two calendars one for personal and then the prof- uh, mailman calendar i still do i have i don't have that problem i have only one calendar okay. which is which is available to my family my children my wife you know Got it. my driver and every and everybody <laughs> else so. i'm i'm also like uh, consolidating all of my things in one calendar but uh, uh, so this is my question sometimes some days i have meetings so i i do meetings between 20 and 30 minutes only uh, anything mm-hmm. longer than that i feel the meeting is not productive so mm-hmm. how i like to do meetings is if there are three meetings in a day i try to schedule schedule them one after another without a gap so that all of those can be clubbed into one phase of the day and i can just get done with it like in one and a half hour two hours in in one day instead of spreading out throughout the day and one problem i see is sometimes because meeting time is like between 20 to 30 minutes i fear towards the towards the middle of the meeting i might be over overshooting the meeting do you have any practices to make sure you have very productive crisp meetings because you do so many of meetings every single day yeah so every call that we do i have a checklist that I, that needs to be covered in that call okay every meeting that i do i will have a checklist that needs to be covered in that meeting okay uh, and uh, between two meetings i will definitely keep 15 minutes if not 30 minutes because meetings sometimes tend to overextend literally mm-hmm. you know so and therefore you don't want to kind of you know leave things hanging in the middle when you can close them in 10 in the next 10 sure. minutes you know so uh, and plus uh, some of this stuff is also driven by the fact that uh, you know people's availability right so i was you know so this i would okay. love to do this back to back and saying in the first half i will do all the meetings and in the second half i will do all the work normally karna thoda some it becomes difficult to manage sometimes so i am so i'm not particular in that sense but i ensure that you know there is there is gap between the meetings and when you close the meeting the next uh, the action items are clearly articulated for everyone so that there is no uh, misunderstanding you know that's the only uh, that to my mind is the only way to do it correct makes sense i mean giving a checklist before a meeting starts is kind of a good idea i mean i should try it out sometime can you give an example of like what does a checklist look like do you use just pen and paper do you use some app some tool to no no so 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 for example my checklist for calls is a word document uh, which we uh, which we uh, so we typically get uh, you know transcribe all the call, record and transcribe all the calls Okay. Uh, and while we are having a call we would actually fill in uh, a lot of that checklist for call so that you know uh, institutional memory gets created you know whatever we miss we go back look at the transcription look at the recording and clear and fill it up uh, the intent Got is it. to ensure that you know information lost does not happen 
got it so 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 while you are on call uh, do somebody else type it out or you only type no, it out so we have, i i am i i am happy to type it out myself if there is somebody on okay. the call they they will help me type it out we transcribe any which ways all this information so we we have a voice recording and a transcription for the call any which ways got you it. know so if, if you need to go go back and look at some stuff you know even 6 months later we still we have all that stuff and okay. and this was not the process we started in day one you know so this process has evolved as as deal flow increased and as you know uh, uh mind space kind of became uh, you know difficult to uh, uh, you know uh, deploy uh-huh. uh, we said that you know rather than trying to overtax your brain just use a paper pen recording technology whatever else is required um, and then move on fantastic uh, girish you spoke a lot about how you fit in your meetings how you fit in your inbox i want to understand how do you fit in resting within your schedule does it happen all on the weekends or do you have some pattern for to to test your body yeah so so typically you know as i said you know walks would happen in the evening golf would okay. happen once a week in the mornings okay afternoon naps on weekends are de rigueur i can't function if i have not slept in the afternoon on saturdays and sundays Oh, okay. you know, so and and when I so and when I say uh, you know director, it means that my phone is literally on silent, and if somebody wants to call me at three in the afternoon on Saturday, he will not get me. Okay. And what if somebody has blocked your calendar for three o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday? That does not happen. That will never happen. Because you have that slot as yeah. marked. It's not already okay. already marked as busy. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Um, Girish, but. Do you have any days where you you wake up in the morning? Uh, you see, you have four meetings lined up for the day, but then you are not feeling up to the meetings. I mean, you are feeling a little low, or maybe you just want to relax a bit. And uh, does it happen any, with you? होता है ऐसा नहीं होता है. You know, sometimes you're not well. Sometimes you're under the weather. But generally speaking, if there are one or two calls, I will take them and close loop. You know, rather than okay. pushing it out to the next week. Until then, I'm like seriously ill. You know, not available. Okay. Generally, does not happen. Got it. Calls calls get rescheduled essentially because something more urgent would have popped up on the calendar. Not because I don't want to take the call. Got it. But but you are saying you are disciplined enough that, um, because of the all all of these years of work that even if you are not feeling up to the meeting, you still take the meeting and close the loop. most of the time yes most of the time yes. as i said you know so if i have something urgent you know that i need to handle which has popped up in the morning you know it happens right you know, somebody's sure. somebody's dad does somebody's a very close friend's dad's part dad passed away i had to go to the cremation there was nothing i could do about it so meetings are sure. rescheduled you know but sure. generally this you know it happens few and far between let me put it like that got it uh, in 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 your entire career you had a long career did you ever feel feel burned out not really for yeah. any period of you time? know so, yeah so when i was you know so when i was in a stressful job uh, i've been i've been fairly disciplined uh, in terms of you know trying to get enough uh, you know me time mm-hmm. so for example when i was working i quarter used to start with a five day vacation every quarter so between and i still even now i do it so between the first and the fifth of the beginning of every quarter i will take a few days mm-hmm. off even if i'm not going anywhere generally we would go out for a vacation or whatever but even if i'm not going anywhere i would okay. take a few days off i would read i would catch up on reading i would catch up on you know stuff that i need to do etc etc you know and then get back to work you know uh, so i give myself that flexibility to do it and i've been doing it for what since 2005 now since i was in teradata so 16 years i've been 16 doing this. years oh wow that's brilliant that's brilliant no, so but- teradata was a teradata i was pre sales right so uh, there was pressure quarter end pressure that one just okay. right billing uh-huh. uh, paperwork etc etc you know so so you beginning of the quarter you were really good so you know that's how that started and then i just continued i like i like that idea and i just continued with it oh wow that's that's brilliant so for 16 years at the beginning of every quarter you take 5 days off um, absolutely or if, 
I might, it, you know, since it's for you, since I've been working with you on a state now, it might not be between the first and the fifth. It might be between the third and the eighth, depending on the okay. weekends or whatever. Else. You still take five but days off. Generally, I would take I would take a few days off. Yeah, three, four, oh, wow. five, whatever. So, does your day-to-day work require any sort of creative thinking uh, on your end? Yeah. I mean. I'm sure analytical thinking would uh, be a must have and you must be using, but uh, what part of your job requires creative thinking on your part? So I think, you know, uh, I'm very good at making connections between an opportunity and where that could go. You okay. know, so, so for example, uh, we were looking at a company which was uh, doing work in the uh, user generated content optimization space. space. Okay. You know? So, uh, you know, so, so, and I am, so we are invested in a platform called Momspress, so which is the largest parenting community in the country today and has lots mm-hmm. of user generated content, you know, so, so to, for me to make that connection is mm-hmm. very easy, you know, and, and, and that's what I do. So, you know, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, matching that happens between founders that one needs to do to ensure that you leverage the opportunity to the best, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that requires creative thinking, you know, a, a lot of times, even the entrepreneur does not feel or think that there is applicability of his product or solution in an industry which he's not looked at Got it. and that and that kind of uh, you know uh, makes 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 the job more, so much more interesting wow fantastic uh, do you have any routine to keep your creative juices flowing i mean some days this is coming again my personal problem some days i need to be creative but some i just cannot be i mean i have to push myself to be creative and then get get done with the thing do you have any practice or routine or maybe anything that keep that keeps your creative juices flowing yeah so i read a lot you know i am okay. uh, i'm a self confessed information junkie you know so okay. even during the day you know mm-hmm. uh, about uh, within between meetings or whatever else i would generally read Okay. Okay. And therefore, for me to make some of those connections, and and I've been an equity research analyst, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, looked at multiple mm-hmm. industries, you know, so it's just kind of become a second habit, Got you know. It. And uh, and therefore, uh, you know, uh, because because I get so much information, you know, that kind of keeps my keeps my creative, you know, and and going. But generally speaking, beyond that, my work is not really creative, creative in that sense, right? Got it. Uh, and uh, you know, and uh, I am really not a very, uh, you know. Uh, creating from scratch for me is is not easy. Okay. I'm you know if, if if there's a draft that is done and you need to kind of look at somebody to look at it and add value, you know I'm more comfortable doing that. Got but it. creating something from scratch is something that I'm at least at least a document I'm not very comfortable. I'm not comfortable. I'm not uh, you know I don't I don't enjoy it. I mean I would do it if I have to. I would you know. Uh, but generally I will not enjoy it. Got it. What kind of books do you read, Girish? Only fiction. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't read. Yeah, so uh, when I do, when I am uh, unable to sleep, I pick up I pick up a non-fiction. I read five pages and I'm knocked out. <laughs> uh, okay. I I when uh, Ayn Rand Atlas shrugged lying on my uh, side table for the last eighteen years now, I think, and okay. I'm, I'm and I'm not even gotten through like midway. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but I, but I read, uh, you know, so for me, I, 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 so I'm, I'm these days reading a book called stories that work. Okay. Uh, okay. Interesting book about how, about storytelling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm struggling in the world like that, you know, because Got that's it. not something that I, you know, I have, and this habit of reading uh, fiction, uh, and this is all English fiction. Huh? So I have like the entire collection of, Ludlums and Archers and you know, oh wow, and you know you name it, Robin Cooks and <laughs> Alistair McLean and 
Oh, wow, fantastic. Uh, so yeah. do you read paperback, uh, physical books or something? On I used to read, uh, I used digital. to read, uh, yeah. So I used to read paperback till about three, four years ago. Um, these days, everything is on Kindle. Uh, okay. But even then, once in a while, I will pick up a, a, a physical copy and read it. Got it, got it. Uh, Girish, I'm sure um, in, a, in, in any given day, there must be a dozen of things trying to take up your attention. I know your family, your very close people have access to your calendar, so they, they can put anything on your calendar. But when you have to choose something to put on your calendar, how do you decide between what goes on your calendar and what doesn't go on your calendar? Everything goes on the calendar. Everything. I mean, no, no. I mean, how do you say no to things? Because... Yeah, so if there is no space in the calendar, I will say no to the things. You know, if if it is uh, if it is critical, I will find space. But generally speaking, I haven't had that you know pushback from people to say ki aaji karna hai, ya isi time isi time pe karna hai. People are yeah. very fairly flexible, you know, and they also realize that everybody has their workday pressures and stuff like that. Um, sure. You know, so you know, if it is urgent and important, it will find a place. Got it. And if it's not urgent or so if it's neither urgent nor important, uh, do you delegate it to somebody else or do you just say no and move on? Very difficult to generalize. Sometimes I will delegate it. I'm I'm actually, you know, I'm what you see is what you get. Completely visible. Okay. okay. So for me to, you know, bullshit, beat around the bush does not happen. So if okay. I have to say no to somebody, I will say no. And I will say, you know, why waste my my mental bandwidth and his, his time, you know, to, okay. to come, come to this decision two weeks from now. You know, so my deal flow calls also happen like that. You know, so if I if somebody is uh, is pre-revenue asking for a twenty-five million dollar valuation, I will tell him no on the call. And I will okay. tell him thank you so much, all the best. You know, okay. hope you find an investor. Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, Girish, could I ask you a personal question? Where do you fit in time with your family? Does it happen every weekday or does it only happen on the weekends? No, no, it happens every weekday. So I so my daughter is in uh, is finishing her second year MBA. Okay. Uh, and she also did her computer science from Delhi University. I uh, actually taught her till class 12. I remember oh, wow. uh, I was, I, I remember uh, this was May of 2019. Okay. You know, and uh, she was in class, two, uh, no, May of 2015. She was in class okay. 12. And uh, I was traveling and I was coming back from uh, San Francisco. Uh, and uh, on the flight, we had internet connectivity, and my daughter and I were actually exchanging WhatsApp notes and whatever uh, you know uh, uh, clarifications she needed. She was sending it to me. I was writing, uh, solving that maths maths question on my <laughs> tissue and you know, sending it back to her. Oh, my wow. son is in class twelve. Uh, you know, okay. All the all all through uh, lockdown, uh, I have taught him. Oh wow! Wow, that's brilliant. I I I so one I, of those people who is brilliant at maths. Um, no, no, I'm not brilliant at anything. I you know, I'm good at it. You know, if okay. I you know I, my background has been computer science, etc. So I've studied okay. physics, maths, uh, you know, till 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 graduation level. You know, and uh, and I remember a lot of that stuff. So it becomes easy, and you know, so because I've I, I used to teach my daughter, you know, teaching my son is has been easier in that sense. You know, so it's yeah. so yeah, so I and I enjoy it. So I have, I have had instances where I have come in from work at eight in the morning, eight in the evening, okay. uh, and uh, I know my and my daughter is you know uh, in, uh, typically that you know she's she has PhD uh, and she's basically you know wants stuff to be done when she's doing it. So okay. I, I see her face and I realize that you know she's stuck somewhere. So I would have just left the bag, not even opened my shoes, and you know sat with her and spent an hour and a half. Oh, wow. You know, wow. or, uh, go clarifying her doubts or whatever else. That that is also. Happening. 
brilliant and i'm i'm assuming in these days whenever you take a five day vacation off you mostly spend time with the family again yeah yeah mostly mostly yeah these days sometimes goes to the golf course but mostly okay. <laughs> uh, girish i want to understand a little bit about the mistakes that you have made all throughout your career i mean these mistakes could be um, business mistakes or just maybe time management mistakes that you have so i i won't call them mistakes okay i will okay. call them learnings you know but there's a okay. there's a there's a very slight difference in in the mm-hmm. in the tonality of it right so if you have if you i would call something a mistake if you haven't learned anything from it. but if you've learned something from it you know it's okay you know we are humans everybody's human right and therefore yep. uh, you know you are allowed a few mistakes but you are not allowed the same mistake twice over you know that to my mind is like okay. you know disaster and 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 my team knows it you know so okay. you know first mistake no problem solve it that same mistake happening again is pass you will have hell <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Because because other, otherwise how do you grow? No, if you continue of to course. repeat the same mistakes, how do you grow? Right? You know, the reason the first mistake is allowed that you will learn something out of it and you won't repeat. Correct? Of course, of course. So so a lot of that stuff has happened. You know, we we missed opportunities to invest in great companies. You know, I missed opportunities to you know work with great people. You know, but but you know a mistake is a mistake only in hindsight. Huh? of course a mistake never looks like a mistake when you're doing it <laughs> of course of course otherwise you wouldn't uh, uh, do it uh, correct a lot a lot of people don't get that oh really no. interesting yeah 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 so so you know so some any something that happened at that point in time was a decision taken with with you know all the data points that were available that you know for that decision correct it might look it might look like a mistake 3 years down the line but at that point in time like, that was the right decision of course of course of course yeah. uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, you know different and interesting perspective to mistake to, to the way people look at mistakes people look at mistake people look at mistakes as you know boss disaster that's not what it is mistake is a disaster if you if, you know if you, it's a disaster if you have your geezer on and you're you switch and you get electrocuted <laughs> while standing you know <laughs> naked in the shower right? you know, uh, but otherwise i think if you've picked up something and learned from it I think it's okay. It's it's a learning experience. It's a learning curve, right? Absolutely. Girish, I have this one last magical question. We are towards the end of our conversation. So, if magically you found one additional hour in your day every single day, uh, where would you spend this one hour at? I would spend it at I would spend it reading. Reading fiction. Yeah. No, no, reading anything, you know. Okay. Uh, so for me, for me even current news is not fiction, right? Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm. I'm so. You know, one thing that Mailman has done for me, and I must compliment you for it, is the fact that I've been able to categorize all the information that comes to me in a very in- interesting and structured manner. And therefore, uh, you know, uh, you know, all the all the uh, emails that come in, all the content that comes in from Ken, from ET, from VC Circle, from Inc. Forty Two, etc. You know, it's all news and information, right? Uh, and therefore uh, it's it's easy to categorize structure you know and and if, uh, you know if i get one more hour i will end up spending more time reading some of the stuff that i want got it fantastic brilliant answer uh, girish so uh, if anybody who is reading this blog post or uh, listening to this podcast if they want to get in touch with you what's the best way to get in touch with you i mean not just Email. for the not just for pitching the companies just maybe if they just want to follow your journey along So if you if you want to pitch the company you go to my website there is a, a submit your application button on the website uh, www.yournest.in you fill it send it to us 
we will guarantee a response in 10 days. Of course. Uh, yes, no, maybe, but you will get a response. Okay. okay. Uh, so Great. that's the fastest way to reach out if you have uh, if you have a pitch to share. If you want to reach out, I'm available at girish.shivani at yourness.in. Uh, I respond to every mail. I I make sure that my mailbox is clear before I call it a day. Go to bed. Uh, if your mail has not been responded to, rest assured it is sitting in a, a sitting in an unresponded uh, box in my mailbox, and I will eventually come to it. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much, Girish, for taking out time. This was Girish, and he has been investing um, beautifully in challenge. Oh, one last question: What do you mean by challenge in years? So, so our thesis is to invest in innovative products, right? Okay. Uh, by the very nature of the beast, it means you know there's a challenge that you're trying to solve for, mm-hmm. and there's a product that you are creating, correct? Okay. Uh, so that's how the that's the genesis of challenge in here. So we are looking for people who are not afraid of taking challenges, and okay. who are not afraid of creating products uh, for the betterment of the society. So that's challenge in here for you. Fantastic, fantastic. So everybody, this was Girish. Girish, thank you so much for taking out time to talk to me. Uh, it was such a pleasure having you. Well, the pleasure is all mine, Mohit. Thank you so much.